Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. In Haggai chapter 1, what had happened just previous, the Israelites had been taken away into captivity in Babylon. And they had just returned back to their land from Babylon after 70 years. And a man named Haggai was with them in the captivity. So he saw all this. He went through the captivity time with them. And so that brings us now to Haggai chapter 1 verse 1. In the second year of King Darius, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, saying, Thus speaks the Lord of hosts, saying, This people says, The time has not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. There is so much right there alone, it's not even funny. (laughs) Let's dig it out. As I always say, whenever you see a biblical timestamp, that means a lot. That timestamp is saying, oh, dig, dig, dig into me. I got so much for you. Timestamps mean a lot. It says the second year of King Darius. That was around 520 BC or so. This means this was during a time when Israel had no king of their own. Now, consider how we've been studying the Davidic covenant lately, right? That covenant was still in effect. God didn't forget it. But since the people had no king, they just got out of captivity, it kind of felt to them like God had abandoned them as if he had backed out on his promise to have somebody from David's line on the throne forever, just like he'd promised. They felt defeated, and there was no victorious king to lead them. So here we are back in the land. We ain't got a king. Where's God? What's going on? You know what? I'm just going to do my own thing. Kind of like when Peter, after Christ died, where's Jesus now? What did Peter say? Well, I'm just going to go back to fishing. I'm just going to go do what I used to do. So where's the king to lead him? But God addressed his word to the leaders that Israel did have, because we got a list of Zerubbabel. Now try to say that name. I will, I will never, I'll never get it out of my mind. So I'm going to scar you now. Okay. My Bible professor said that Zerubbabel's name sounded like trying to start his old chainsaw. Zerubbabel, Zerubbabel. Okay. I never got that out of my head. Now you're going to forever bear that with me. Okay. So we have two leaders, Zerubbabel and Joshua, not the Joshua we read about before, but he was the high priest. Those are their leaders. God gave, you've got leaders, 
So he addressed them first, but verse one, back to the timestamp, it also says the first day of the sixth month. So not only do they not have a king, but it says the first day of the sixth month. This places us during a holy festival day where there's going to be a lot of people are all going to come together and be gathered together in a big audience. That's the best time to proclaim the word of the Lord when everybody all shows up. See, if they'd had Facebook back then, they could have just posted it but they didn't. So get everybody together. But now after all these years, all these decades, the Lord was about to break this long silence with a new word for the nation of Israel. That's exciting. Everybody's going to show up. The Lord's going to speak to us today. Let's go. Come on, hurry up, pack up. I want to hear this. Here's something else to think of, and I'm I'm, going to inject the gospel early. (laughs) To think that the Lord God would send someone to build up a rebellious people that had set him aside. Isn't this amazing? Now, look at verse 2. Haggai did not refer to the Lord as just God. He referred to him as the Lord of hosts. Pay attention to God's names. The Lord of hosts. This means the Lord of armies. This is the name of a powerful, conquering, fighting God who destroys the enemies of his people. These people feel defeated. They need to understand their God as the Lord of hosts. We have a king who will fight for us. That's encouraging to hear. So they felt defeated, no king. And Haggai says, the Lord of armies. In other words, Israel, your conquering king is about to speak to you. (laughs) If the Bible doesn't excite you, you're not reading it. But there's also an easy to miss rebuke in verse 2. The Lord called Israel this people. He didn't say my people. Ooh, did you see that? Easy to miss. He said this people. He didn't refer to them as my people. What's the reason for this? This people instead of my people. The Lord called them this people because they hadn't been acting like his people. They weren't interested in serving the Lord because they'd been saying, as it says, they said, it's not time to build the Lord's house. That was the first thing Haggai said. You've been saying, this people have been saying, it ain't time to build God's house. We don't need to do that right now. We're too busy pursuing our own interests. Forget God, it's not time to build the Lord's house. And so God called them this people. It's kind of like when one of your kids misbehaves really, really bad at school and you come home and you say to the, the wife or the spouse, you say, you know what your kid just did today? You ever heard that? I heard somebody say that they were watching their son play baseball. This guy was sitting with his wife and he did this bad play. He like did something wrong. And he goes, see what your son just did? It's like, that's not my That's not what I raised him to do. I didn't teach him to do that. And the Lord said, this people, the Lord said to Zerubbabel, and Joshua, the leaders, this people, this kind of has a tone of disappointment to it, as if to say they sure don't look like my people because my people would be rebuilding my house right now. To think that the Lord just brought them out of exile, returned them back to Jerusalem again, and they don't think that warrants any kind of obedience whatsoever. Yeah, we're back, so what? I'm going to do my own thing. should have reverence. Thank you, Lord, for getting me out of exile. Thank you for bringing me back. What do you want me to do? Thank you for saving me. I'm yours. Let's go. What you got for me? 
So then the Lord switched from talking to leadership to the people directly in Haggai 1 verse 3. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses and this temple to lie in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. That's, look in the mirror. Check yourself out. Look at what you're doing. Now, let's look at what he called them out on. They weren't just building average houses. They were building high-end homes with an adornment to it, paneling. All this higher stuff, lavish, more lavish than it should be. But who cares about the house of God? So what? You see the selfishness here? You and your paneled homes, this people. Haggai 1.6, the Lord says, You have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put into a bag with holes in it. Here's the big problem, guys. They were living in poverty. They were not doing well. And what little bit of income they did make, they blew it. Like there was no tomorrow. Just, hey, put in a bag with holes in it. Our modern day way of saying it is there's money just flying out the window, wasting it. The Lord had always promised to be a great provider for Israel, but even their crops were not working out. He said, you so much and you bring little in. This is an economic struggle, guys. And it means that this economic struggle was their being chastened for their rejection of God. They were not obeying. They were not doing what God told them to do. This people, if you were my people, if you really wanted to look like my people, you'd be obeying me. And the result was economic failure. After captivity, you would have thought they would have had a sense of reverence toward him. But they thought their new freedom meant they could have the right to serve themselves. And so God's rebuke on them was a warning that their sin was going to cause them to run right back into captivity all over again. I just got you out. You're running straight back in. See that? Haggai 1, 7. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build the temple that I may take pleasure in it and be glorified, says the Lord. So God gave them a warning. You need to take a look at how far off you've gotten. They were not interested in building the temple. They didn't want to invest in the temple. They were investing in themselves. This bag with holes in it. Their house, their paneled homes, not God's house. And so God told them, hey, you need to think about your priorities. Consider your ways. You're backwards. Now, we know they've gotten off course a bit. Now, that's obvious. But I want to show you just how far off they've gotten because i'm about to unload on you how big this really is it says the people were poor okay you've got poor people sowing much bringing in little they were hungry they were thirsty they were cold didn't have enough clothing and blowing what little bit they did have but let me ask you if they're so poor and if they hardly have anything then where did they get all that wood to panel their homes where'd that come from if you're not doing good How do you get all this wood to panel your houses with? We get our answer from the book of Ezra. 
Ezra parallels the book of Haggai. They were all in this together. You've got Ezra. uh, Daniel was with them during the time of the captivity. You've got other biblical books that kind of run along here. Ezra is in there. And because Mr. Ezra was with the Israelites during this time, he wrote in his own that parallels what they went through. I want to show you basically a purchase invoice that was made a few years prior to Haggai's rebuke in Ezra 3.7 says, they also gave money to the masons and the carpenters and food, drink, and oil to the people of Sidon and Tyre to bring cedar logs from Lebanon. What was that wood supposed to be used for? To build the house of God. They had that wood. What the people had done is they took the wood that was bought to build the temple and they used it for themselves. That is how far off they'd gotten. It's not time for the house of the Lord to be built, they said. So, panel my house. God called them out on it. You've been saying it's not time to build the house of God, but it's okay for you to panel your house with it. The Lord rebuked them and said, get more wood so that I may be glorified. You see, the people were glorifying themselves. How do we Americans think the bigger and the fatter house I have and the more cars and the built-in swimming pools and all this stuff, that's kind of like my status. It's like, that makes me look more awesome. It's the same thing back then. Panel my house. Let me look good. God says, no, it's time for you to glorify me. In other words, stop glorifying yourself. Self-glorification is the sin. It was the cause of their economic failure. Self-glorification is the cause of economic failure. Hello, America. Yes, God himself made the economic failure happen, but it was because of the sin of the people. Haggai 1.9, you looked for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why? says the Lord of hosts, because of my house that is in ruins, while every one of you runs to his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you withhold the dew, and the earth withholds its fruit. For I called for a drought on the land and the mountains, on the grain and the new wine and the oil, on whatever the ground brings forth on men and livestock and on all the labor of your hands." prosperity preachers, you little snakes, I'm about to eat your lunch. When the people loved money, God took everything that they made and blew it away. That's what he said. I don't like your doctrine, Ray. This ain't my doctrine. I didn't write it. He blew it away. God said, look at what God said. God said, I called for a drought against you. Well, God doesn't do that. My God would never. The God you made up, of course he wouldn't. He loves you. You can send your tail off and you're just fine. This is the God of Israel. This is the God of the Bible. You need to get to know him. God said, I called for a drought against you. People think that God always has to be for them. He was against them. We got to remember, we're the one that's the sinner here, not him. And when we mess up, God has to punish and judge that sin to get us to turn around so that we'll do right again. And the Israelites, they should have known already, Leviticus 26 and 3, that says, if you walk in my statutes and keep my commandments and perform them, then 
I will give you rain in its season. The land shall yield its produce and the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. Okay, they should have known that already. They have the equation to figure out what's going on here. But since Israel had turned from God to doing their own thing, my way, what I want, forget God's house, let's panel my house. Since they turned, then they also should have known what Leviticus 26, 19 says. I will break the pride of your power. I will make your heavens like iron and your earth like bronze and your strength shall be spent in vain for your land shall not yield its produce nor shall the trees of the land yield their fruit. When God says the heavens like iron and earth like bronze, iron and bronze don't absorb water. They don't drip water. You ain't gonna have any water. He called for a drought, and he says, I will break your pride. You know, guys, I see everywhere on TV, pride, pride this and pride that. March in the street with the fist up. This is how Christians pray with a hand open, surrender. The fist up means my power. The hand open says, I surrender. Pride. God says, I will break your pride. Y'all know how hard it is to make a statement like that and air it? Verse 20 said, your strength shall be spent in vain. God says, I blew it away. You did all that for nothing. And it's not going to have any produce on your land. All of their work was blown away simply because of their disobedience to him. Now, after a rebuke that heavy, if you were rebuked that hard by the Lord, I'd like to think it would cause you to say, I better straighten some things out. (laughs) And right now. So look, Haggai 1.12 Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed, key word, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God, and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the presence of the Lord. Two main words in here, obeyed and feared. That's where things get kicking. Our society today, nobody fears the Lord. No, no, no. God just wants to bless me. God won't, God won't punish me for my sin. I'm not scared of him at all what he could do to me. You better be. They feared him and they obeyed him. So that's where everything changed, fear and obedience. There is no turnaround. There is no real repentance until, until you first have a fear of the Lord, which drives you to pr- repentance, and only then does it get real. And repentance should always be followed by obedience. I can't tell you how many people I bump into. Yeah, I belong to Jesus. Yeah, I serve him. They are not obeying the Lord. Something's wrong. Oh, yeah, I repented. Then why are you still doing the same old, same old? You have to repent and obey. Haggai 1.13. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, spoke the Lord's message to the people saying, I am with you, says the Lord. So the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. See the possession now? He's ours, their God. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Verse 15 on the 24th day of the sixth month in the second year of King Darius. Y'all see how the Lord never abandons his people? Man, they messed up. They messed up bad. And he called them out on it, this people. 
but he did not abandon them. He says, I am with you. That's something we Christians even need to remember, that the Lord is with us, right? Now, what great assurance that even though people mess up that bad, that God will still promise to be with them. Now, like I said, it says they served their God, their God. He had called them this people as if there was no claim to them, but now it says their God. This means they claim the Lord as their God again. You see the change of ownership. You can see a total spin around that they did. Their God. That makes me come to a question. What was their God in verse 1? If now they're serving the God, the Lord of hosts, what was their God in verse 1? Money. Money. So do you see the 180 degree turn that they had just made? Their desire for money and self-gain had just been kicked out of their lives. Their God was now their priority again. The God of Israel is now their God. And because they are acting like it, see their behavior followed suit to the claim. Their God. You notice that the Lord stirred up the spirit of the people. And that's what I'm praying we get out of this today, is that the Lord stirs up your spirit. But who did he go after first? He went after the leadership. I came in here excited today. I couldn't hardly contain it. I had to, I had to do a little dance to get my energy out. And I was moving. Y'all were looking at me like, what's wrong with him? Because I'm stirred up and I want to tell you about it. Now, everybody stand up and dance right now. Just kidding. You can if you want to. Go ahead, Mike. Bring it, Mike. Turn the camera on, Mike. Let everybody see that. (laughs) He stirred them up. First went after the leadership and then the people. You know, the people had no leadership to follow when they first got back, but now they did. They have leadership. God established the leadership over them to guide them in his blessings by first addressing Zerubbabel and Joshua. That's very important today because people hate authority today. So many people go to war with pastors. They go to war with elected officials. They go to war with mom and dad. They go to war with their boss. They go to war with everybody. They go to war because they hate authority. So God established in front of the people, this is your leadership. Zerubbabel and Joshua, get under them. He stirred their spirit and then bam, the people got stirred too. In Christian leadership, the people will only do what they see their leaders do first. They will only do what the leaders do first. If I'm not sharing the gospel, if I'm not studying the word of God, if I'm not excited for Jesus, then you won't be excited either. You won't share the gospel either. And chances are you would leave and go somewhere else. We're not coming back. It's dead. (laughs) So I know that everything I expect of everybody to do everything I preach, I need to do it first. And I pray the Lord stir my spirit up and get me to doing these things so we can have a whole church full of people all doing it. That's, the, that's how the structure works. So the Lord stirred up Israel's leaders and then the people were stirred to follow them in obedience to the Lord. Now look at verse 15. We have two new timestamps again. Yay, timestamps. I know that all of you from now on, when you read the Bible, every time you see a timestamp, you're going to go, ooh, what's there? Two new timestamps again. First timestamp, it says the work of the rebuilding of the house, it began 18 years after they had returned from Babylonian captivity. This means they had wasted 18 years of trying to fix their own problems their own way. God gave them 18 years 
to figure out my way don't work. After 18 years, you're still going to say, it ain't time to go do anything for God. The reason I say this is because a lot of people listening to me right now, you've been trying to do it your way for a long time, and you still haven't asked God to help. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set